0: and hope, and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Come on, offer up your highest praise. Somebody magnify God in the house today. Glory to God. Grab hands with the person next to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we magnify you today, but we know that uh, in other places in our country right now, there's people really hurting So, Father, especially for Florida and the Keys and the islands and that whole state, Lord, we just ask for your grace. Sometimes we don't even know exactly what to pray, but we know who to pray to, praise the Lord. So, Father, we're just asking you to keep your hand on those that stayed. Give peace to those who left. And, Father, when churches and homes, when people rebuild, We declare that we will rebuild bigger, stronger, and faster. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Well, tell two people they look good in church, and you can be seated in the house. Welcome to New Heights on what we're calling Easter Rewind. Specifically what we're doing today is we are rewinding back 2,000 years ago to uh, reaffirm what exactly we are as Christians and why we are Christians. We're gonna go back to that very first Easter Sunday and see what in fact God has done for you and for me. And what's interesting is in the current season of life that we're in, the current timetable, 2017, coming on in 2018. I was at Lowe's the other day, and and they were actually already had boxes on the ground with uh, Christmas stuff. So praise the Lord, guess what? Christmas is almost here. And I'm sure you all have your Christmas shopping done, so it's no big deal. But in this day and age that we live in, everybody wants to agree And and as a matter of fact, maybe one thing that we should learn as a society is how to disagree and not hate each other. Somebody say amen. Amen. We've got to figure out how to disagree without being at each other's throats. If somebody likes vanilla and you like chocolate, listen, uh, it's obvious that the chocolate chocolate lover is wrong. Just get over it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Every lady in the house is like, what did he say? Chocolate's like a food group, praise the Lord. <laughs> but we live in a season when, when everybody just wants to agree. Everybody, and, and things get real uncomfortable when you don't agree. Therefore, everybody, it's a very uh, pluralistic view on almost everything. And, and including spirituality. And spirituality in most environments... You can come to an agreement on almost every major religious philosophy. There are bits and pieces of it that are pretty decent. And, and sooner or later, you're going to come to some differences, but, but most, most religions and most philosophies, you can talk about the differences and nobody really cares that much because there's this idea that, that all roads kind of lead to the same place. There's, this, there's, a, there's a thought process out there. Some people actually say it, but sometimes it's more of an unspoken thing. It's like, oh yeah, as long as you have some kind of religion, you're Okay. Well, well, the problem is, with, in Christianity, there, there are a lot of things that everybody will agree with, but, but in Christianity, there is one word, really one name, that throws all of the agreement out the window. In other words, you can talk about every religion, and I'm not here to pick on religions, praise the Lord, but you can talk about every religion, and nobody's really going to have much to say about it. Matter of fact, everybody's just going to be in agreement. You can, you can say different names of different leaders, and, and everybody's fine with it. But, but, but you, can, you can hear every other major religion. You can hear the, the key man or the key woman's name in a major religion, and nobody really gets their hackles up. But the minute you say Jesus, the minute you say Jesus, everything goes into controversy. Now, now here's, here's the thing. I, I know how to preach. I'm not going to lie to you. I do. And I know how to make people shout. I can do it. But I, I want this morning, I want us to really think for a few minutes. I want us to really consider a few things. Because the reality of Jesus being a man that lived some 2,000 years ago, it's almost inarguable. Almost every major religion, several of them even reference Jesus in their teaching. They even reference him being born of a virgin and and ascended into heaven. They reference these things. Uh, Most historians and every recognized historian believes that Jesus in fact existed. So the reality is the controversy with the name of Jesus does not come into play with regards to whether or not the man existed. Understand lawfully to call him a man is a difficult thing to do. But he did show himself in the form of a man for 33 years. But to call to, to say that 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 the fact that he existed is the is the substance of the controversy is inaccurate the, the other thing would be his ministry. Nobody really had a problem with his ministry, and nobody does today because what Jesus did is he went about doing good as a matter of fact, the Bible says that there, if, if everything every good thing Jesus did was written down, there's not enough books in the world that would hold it. He just went around doing good. He would heal the sick. He would open blind eyes. He would raise the dead. He would feed people that didn't have any food. He he just did. He even he even paid Peter's taxes one time. (laughs) Somebody say, "Praise the Lord!" How about that? Come on, I'll take some of that, some of that Peter tax anointing. Praise the Lord. He helped, them with, he helped people with their businesses. He helped them succeed in business. He just did good everywhere that he was. So Jesus' ministry was is, is not a place of, 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 of total disagreement. On the contrary, most people believe that he existed in that time frame as a man and most people believe uh, that his ministry was good. He did good things. The other thing would be his teaching. And, and, and his teaching is... By almost every major religion, and really anybody with any sense, just considered to be good advice. Let me just give you a couple of them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like we would have no need for law enforcement if every person on the planet actually did that. Now, praise the Lord. God bless all law enforcement. But but across the board, if if you have a problem with Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. Put others in front of you. If, if everybody did this, even if everybody did not accept Christ as the Savior, but if we all did that, life would be a, a much more congruent area. So the, his teaching, by and large, is not the point of... of, of uh, issue. It's not the point of disagreement. Consider this though. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, and this is really where the line gets drawn really firm. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man, no person comes to the Father but through me. Now we can see why there's some disagreement When we talk about Jesus. Because the idea of all roads leading to one place. Is thrown out with one brazen statement from our Galilean Savior. So it's not his existence. It's not his ministry. and It's not his teaching. It's the fact that he says this is an exclusive offer. You are on one side of the fence. Or you are on the other side of the fence. When it comes to Jesus Christ. And so for the next few minutes, I I want you to think on Jesus. We're going to talk about him. But I want you to think on him. And I'm being very specific for a reason. I don't want you to think about Christians because Christians will let you down. Many of you just went, sure will, praise the Lord. I was like, well, okay, never mind. I don't need to explain that one. I heard somebody say, I don't have a problem with Jesus. It's Christians that bother me. But then I've heard other people say, I'm not going to church. Church is full of hypocrites. Well, number one, they're true. The difference is we just know where to go. Praise the Lord. My second response is, Walmart's full of hypocrites, but you still buy groceries. I don't want you thinking about Christians. I don't want you thinking about the church, New Heights Church, or the church globally. I don't want you thinking about me, because the truth of the matter is, there may be a time that I let you down. I never would want to, and I'd never want to hurt your feelings. But I'm not the truth. I just talk about the truth. I want you to think about Jesus. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus did not come to present religion, but rather to present relationship. Jesus did not come to present religion, but rather to present relationship. Now, here's the stark difference. Religion is all about what you do. It's all about what I do. It 's all about what we can accomplish most religions and I'm throwing them all into a pile at this point, I understand so I'm not trying to be too disrespectful but but most religions hang in some kind of category like this. whatever you do, if you do it well enough and you cross your fingers and, and, and somebody smiles on you from wherever up high is and their mythological and their mythological ideology if, if, if whatever you do hopefully it will be enough and you will make it into whatever something better than where we are is. Many religions give you several chances. Many laps you get to go on. And if you miss the mark, you just take another lap. Praise the Lord. You die and then you become something else. Sometimes you become a tree or a frog or or or, or a dog or, or 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 you you become something and you just become. That's what these. That's what the ideology is. And it's this idea that there's this starting over. Almost every religion is based off of you living a life or many lives and trying to accomplish by your own efforts something that you uh uh, uh can uh, accomplish something that you can attain a better hereafter. As opposed to where you are Almost every major religion That's what it's about That's what religion does Religion weighs and measures You and you personally But relationship Relationship is not about what you do Relationship is about Who you are You could tell me That my wife just robbed a liquor store. (laughs) Which, I mean, I'm not saying she couldn't, you know. (laughs) But I'm telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, number one, she wouldn't do it. But number two, if she did, I'm still on her team. Not because of her guilt or her innocence, but because of the covenant relationship that she and I are in. Somebody give God a hand of praise because we're going to understand what a relationship means to the body of Christ. Because of relationship, not because of her actions or inactions, not because she put on a ski mask and went in and robbed a liquor store. it (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, but the truth of the matter is it is the relationship that we have together that solidifies my position with her regardless of anything she does. Regardless of anything she says, regardless of what you think about her, it could, you could come and tell me something true about her that was, that wasn't pleasant and there's nothing that's not pleasant about her. You could tell me something and I'm still committed to her because we are in relationship. We do not have a religious agreement. You see what I'm saying? So across the board Jesus comes to present religion and and here's the thing, religious people of his day, they had no problem with him, uh, uh, they had no problem with him if he was doing things the way they wanted and they could not deny what he was doing. The reason they couldn't deny is because there would be people that couldn't walk, that like lived in the temple. They came and begged in the temple every day. And then Jesus would heal them and then they could walk. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy can walk. And they're like, what happened? And everybody's like, Jesus did it. And they're like, oh my gosh, what do we say about that? He couldn't walk, now he could walk. He couldn't walk, now he could walk. So they couldn't deny that he was actually doing what he said. They just didn't like who he was doing it with. The Bible says, matter of fact, let's just uh, consider Mark chapter 2 verse 16, 17. It says, When the disciple, when the scribes and Pharisees, that's the religious people of the day, saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? In other words, we get that he's doing great things, but why is he hanging out with sinners? Why is he hanging out with hypocrites? Why is he hanging out with people with a speckled past? Why is he hanging out with people that we are too good to hang out with? Jesus heard it and he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous... But I came to call sinners to repentance. I'm gonna do a series soon and I'm gonna call it this No Perfect People Allowed. <laughs> Everyone here is like, Well, praise the Lord, I'll get a ticket. <laughs> it's true. Jesus didn't come for the righteous, He came for people like me. He came for people that have missed the mark time and time again. And then when you get in relationship with Him, when you miss the mark again, and you may, He does not throw you away because you are not joining a religion. Don't think Christianity. I don't want you thinking about the church. I want you thinking about this man named Jesus. He changes everything, but he does it by changing you. I want to tell you about three people that I know. Three people that I know that Jesus had a profound impact in in their life. The first one is a good friend of mine. His name is Tommy. Tommy Parker, and Tommy Parker, as you can see, he's, he's very committed to physical fitness, praise the Lord, and, and he's, he's just a great friend of mine, and if you met him today, you would think, man, this is the nicest guy you'd ever meet, One of the, and this is true, one of the nicest people you've ever met, and he came to know the Lord about 10 years ago, matter of fact, almost exactly 10 years ago, in August, he celebrated his 10-year anniversary of giving his life to God. But the interesting thing about Tommy, uh, here's Tommy, it's kind of a dark picture, but that's him uh, shooting an elk and and holding it up all proud. And and 15 years ago, there is never, it could not even enter into his mind to be in the beautiful Rocky Mountains and, and be doing something that he would love to do that much. Because what you don't know about Tommy, if you meet him now and you don't hear about him, is for 25 years, Tommy was a total meth addict totally addicted to drugs totally in that entire loop of drugs where his friends and his family were were arrested and many of them killed and and many of them lost their life to different different ways but just this whole cycle of life and then somebody cared about him enough to tell him about jesus they didn't just mention the idea of Christianity even though Christianity is a powerful thing. They didn't just mention the idea of church even though church is a powerful thing. They talked about Jesus and Tommy Tommy had a moment and he got down on his knees and he says if you can do this would you deliver me and Jesus delivered Tommy in a millisecond from all addiction and he's never smoked meth again. Ten years now he's preaching the gospel, he's ministering, he he works in different ministries. Matter of fact, last Wednesday he stood on this platform and shared his testimony and there was barely a dry eye in the house because when you hear about what Jesus will do for somebody it moves you to the place that you want Jesus to do it for you. Because religion is a, not about what you do, it's about who you are. And Jesus makes us new he makes us a new creature Tommy's story is very powerful because of of, of how far he had to come if there was a pendulum you can't swing much further away than Tommy was but I've got other friends and they don't necessarily all my friends are not former drug addicts and one of my friends his name is Jake Jake you see here that's him on the right or him on the left holding the baby that's baby Zeke praise the Lord isn't he cute and this is Teresa on the right they're a powerful couple. They love the Lord with all their heart. Teresa was one of the first people that Crystal and I met when we came to Bryan College Station five years ago. We met her, and, and she began to occasionally babysit for us because we have three children, and God bless date nights. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody say amen in the library. Just look at your wife right now and say, I'm going to take you on a date. Now, wives, I want you to look them right in the face and say, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa began to babysit for us, and she began to spend more time with us, even while she wasn't babysitting, and she's just a wonderful, kind person, and, and we loved how she was rubbing off on our children, a lot of the uh, attributes that we wanted in our children, she has, and and uh, so we we're very strategic about those things, and... and uh, she would also come and she would help out in the nursery. Now, at the time, our church, we probably had... It would probably be like, like the first two rows here would be about all that was in the church. That was a bigger church. It, maybe not even that big. I'll be honest. There wasn't many people at all. We just started. And one day, she would, she would hear the, the praise and worship and she would hear the, the, the preaching. And, and one day, she said, hey, you know, can I go into service instead of just working in the nursery? I said, well, praise the Lord, Absolutely. Just let the kids outside and, you know, give them something to eat, you know. <laughs> so she, she came to service and uh, she heard, you know, uh, she worshiped and she heard the word of God and, and she rededicated her life to God. She, I don't know if she was far from God. Matter of fact, I knew she was a Christian, but she just rededicated. She said, man, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really do it, okay. And she went and she told her boyfriend, Jake. They were both at Texas A&M. She told her boyfriend, Jake. She said, Jake, you got to come to this church. And she brought her boyfriend to church, Jake. Now, Jake, his story is nothing like Tommy's. Jake was... The, the star athlete in his high school. And he's still a phenomenal athlete now. He has a master's degree from Texas A&M and he actually works in the physical fitness field. But, but he was a phenomenal athlete in high school. He would have been the guy that you would want to be friends with. And he was a very friendly guy. He was, he was just, just a great guy that rode motocross, played football, just the life of, of everywhere he went, you'd want to be around him. But religion was not a, a, a significant part of his family life growing up. Church was not a significant part of his family life. The, the idea of, of what does Jesus, uh, what does Jesus mean to somebody? It's not like it came up at the dinner table. It just wasn't discussed much. But sitting in that little church with barely anybody there, hearing a message about what Jesus will do, something happened on the inside of Jake, who Jake wasn't a bad guy. By the world standard, he would give you the shirt off of his back. He would, he would help you any way that he could. He was not he was not by any means you know a, a meth addict for twenty five years, almost in prison, uh, uh, saw different crime. He wasn't anything like. He was nothing like that. But something happened on the inside of him when he heard about Jesus and the transformation that Jesus offered. And at the end of the service, I gave the altar call and I said, Is there anyone here who does not know the Lord that I'm speaking about this morning? You don't know where you stand with him, but you want to. And he lifted his hand, and with an uplifted hand, he 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 said, "That's me." And out of his mouth, he declared that he wanted Jesus to be not just uh, somebody that he's heard about, but he wanted him to be his Lord and his Savior. And he was immediately transformed from the floor to the ceiling, completely changed. Now they're 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 they're, they're uh, married. Praise the Lord. They just had baby Zeke not too long ago. They're crystal and crystal and I, some of our very best friends in the world and, and just literally on fire for God. We speak, we speak two or three times a week and he just told me, he goes, man, I'll tell you what's awesome. I said, what? He said, me and Teresa are reading the Bible through and through together and we're almost, we're, we're nearly halfway there. He said, did you know if you read this, you start to believe it? I'm like, yeah, bro, I knew that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's like it gives you, you know, like like faith. I'm like, well, apparently it's true, you know. <laughs> but Jake's story is, is nothing like, Jake's story is nothing like Tommy's story. I'm gonna tell you about one more story. Now this one, I know, I know about Tommy and I know about Jake because they've told me. But this one, I know every intricate detail. I know every single part of this story. I want to tell you a little bit about what Jesus personally did for me. Jesus in my family, he was Oh, there's a great picture of me. And and believe it or not, there's a fish right here. I should have I should have gotten a picture of a bigger fish, but that was actually that was the bait. I was putting that on my hook and I was <laughs> See, Jesus in my family, he was always present. We're very blessed, my family. Very blessed. We really are. Right now, very blessed. My children have, have never known lack, but I remember times when when we would go fishing almost every day because that was how we were able to eat. It was a different time back then for us. I remember hard times. I remember conversations. I remember, I remember moments where we had to make real hard decisions. We come from a very small town, a town that, 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 that thrived in one particular industry, and then all of a sudden, many of the mills and the plants in the town went away. And when that happens, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but a whole economy can just collapse on itself. And we lived through that. But well, we didn't live through it. I, I, didn't have, I, don't have any, I don't have any memory in my life of, of going through anything difficult in my family, and my family blaming God. On the contrary, I I remember difficult times, I remember my family, I remember them saying, God is going to make a way where there is no way. I remember burying my mom's mom, who not only were we extremely close to, I saw them probably five to six days a week, the entire time they were alive. We ate dinner at their house several times a week, We were extremely close and I watched her die of cancer and I watched my family say, but God is faithful. God is a healing God. God is a delivering God. God is a good God. And Jesus was never vilified in my house, in our house when I was growing up. He was never talked about like that. I watched my grandfather, her husband, uh, uh, get so stricken with Alzheimer's that at 13, 14 years old, him and I completely switched roles. He wasn't helping me tie my shoes or fix anything. I was helping him. I would stay at his house at night and he would get up every night two or three times and he would say, hey, where's mother? He called his wife mother. Where's mother? I said, oh, we called him Papa. I said, Papa, you remember, you know, she passed away a while back and every time was like the first time he heard it. And I remember my family saying, but God is good and God is faithful and Mamaw that's what we called her her name was Ina Inez back when people were so poor they had to give real short names (laughs) Ina my grandfather he didn't have a middle name his name was Wardell Walker and if you ask him why don't you have a middle name he said my parents couldn't afford it (laughs) But I went through all this. We went through all this. And I watched my family magnify God in, ev- when, in every season. We had great seasons too. I'm not telling you I had a bad life. I have not. But we had seasons. And I watched my family just magnify God all the way through. And I don't remember, I don't remember the first time I gave my life to, to God. I don't. As long as I've been alive, I, I know I've known him. He's, he's spoken to me. It's just part of, part of life for me. when I turned about 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, I was in college and I remember all of a sudden I began to feel guilty about things that I had not previously felt guilty about. In other words, I was convicted. God bless conviction. Don't ever run from conviction. Don't ever run from... Number one, you don't want it to go away. But number two, it's the way God just nurtures us back. In the direction we should go so I'm 18 19 years old I'm in college and I just I just began to feel a, a very strong conviction on my life and I began to to, to know that I understood Christianity I understand the understood the church but there was something personal that I needed and maybe I had experienced it on, on some level before but now I was a I was effectively a grown man if I messed up now I'm going to prison if if I if I if I did something, you know, you're, you're, I was I was I was grown by standards, even though I wasn't uh, grown by my you know actions and activities. I was grown by standards, you know. And I remember calling my dad. I said, "Dad, I said, man, I don't know what it is, but I I just want to be a good man. I just want to be a good man. I'm gonna I'm going try to straighten some things out. And I wasn't crazy. I wasn't on meth. I I'd, I'd grown up my whole life, and and and." I wasn't like Jake where, you know, it wasn't a forefront in, our, in my family. It was the forefront in my family. I, I was what they called a church mouse. I was going to church uh, nine months before I was born. You know what I'm talking about? I have knots on my head today from going to church. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we would sit at church. I was one of three brothers. And, and every now and then, that everybody would say, boy, those kids are so well-behaved. And sometimes my dad he'd just tap us on the on the head. He got a big old hand. He'd tap us on the head. And everybody'd be like, Oh, that Larry, he loves them boys. What what they didn't know is he had a gold nugget ring and he would turn that sucker around where that nugget was like that. And if us boys were talking or acting up, he'd just give us a little tap, go, Oh yeah, praise the Lord, that a boy, and we'd be like, Oh, oh. <laughs> You kids, if there's any kids in here, y'all have no idea how good you have it. There was no such thing as kids church, praise the Lord. It was shut your mouth church is what we had. So I would leave church concussed, you know. Those boys are, are so they're so quiet, well we couldn't speak, you know. Praise the Lord. But, but I, this season of my life, I just knew that there was something that, that I needed, But I, I knew the Lord, but there was something else for me. And I wasn't sure how to put my hand on it. And my dad said, son, that's the Lord. That's Him calling on you and, and urging. I said, okay, well, what i am I going to do? I'm just going to stop everything I know wrong. Because remember, religion is about what you do. But relationship is about who you are. So I figured I'm going to stop everything I was doing wrong. So I stopped everything I was doing wrong, I, 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 everything I could think of that was wrong. And I'll be honest with you, it worked for about five minutes max. And then I was just fighting everything. Every, this nature in me was just, I, I, was, I, was, I was a pretty aggressive guy. I'm still pretty aggressive, but I was a pretty aggressive guy. And it was just, it was just very, it was, it was, it was a taxing thing. And, and then a minister came to town who happened to be my uncle, Pastor Walter Hallam from Abundant Life Christian Center in Lamarck, Texas. And he came and preached a message. And, and it was a great message, but I have no idea what he said. Because all I know is I felt, which at the time I didn't know what it was until after, but I felt my heart burning inside of me. I felt my heart moved by what I was hearing, what I was around. These people, they were committed to give their entire life For what I'm hearing and my whole heart is just burning. Now I've been in church my whole life, even great church. I've seen it all. And I'm sitting there and it's like, it's like, it's like my heart is going to explode on the inside of my chest and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And finally I got time and, and, and I gave my heart to Jesus personally for sure. I'm not saying if I'd have died before that, that I didn't know him because I felt like I knew him, but, but something happened in me. And I was transformed, and get this, all of my have-tos became want-tos. All of the things that I was struggling to try to do, now I wanted to do. All the things that I was struggling not to do, now they fell off of me like water off a duck's back. Everything shifted because God, when He comes to you, He doesn't place a requirement on what you do. He places a transformation on your life that changes who you are completely. When you give your heart to this man, Jesus, this Son of God, when you do this, He exchanges His life for your life. The Bible says, you no longer live, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Old things pass away and all things become new. So whether you're a Tommy or or a Jake or a Brian, Tommy couldn't, I mean, uh, 25 years on meth. Jake, just a great guy. Brian, in church his whole life, there comes a point. When you have to come to the decision that Jesus didn't just die for your mama. He didn't just die for your cousin. He didn't just die for somebody sitting next to you. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Come on, give God a hand of praise. Now, ever since that moment, things just exponentially sped up in my life. Ever since that moment, God brought me my wife. We've been married now 13 years, going on 14, and we've spent that entire time do, uh, doing ministry together. As a matter of fact, there's a picture here uh, of when we literally were in an orphanage that, that, that 15 years before that, I could have never pictured that in what I would even want to do. Now, I'm not mad at people. I'm not, I'm not, but this, this is not something I would picture in my life, but now it is my life. You see what I'm saying? Jesus takes you from your old life, and he places you inside of his life, and all of a sudden your desires shift. Some people, we don't need just God to give us power to stop doing something. We need him to change our taste buds. Sometimes the prayer is not God give me strength. It's God change my way of thinking completely. Let me see how you see in this world. Now remember, I don't want to think about, I don't want you thinking about church. I don't want you thinking about religion. I don't want you thinking about, I don't even want you thinking about Christianity. Just Jesus. Because the reality is, is we need to know what is his knee-jerk reaction with you and me. When we miss the mark, what is his knee-jerk reaction with you and me? Well, go back 2,000 years ago. Let's rewind not just to Sunday. Let's go to Friday after he is nailed to the cross for you and for me. They took uh, 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 crude metal spikes and drove them into his hands and his feet after beating him within an inch of his life mocking him, spitting on him punching him, talking about him and his followers driving uh, thorns into his head and then they plodded him on a cross, they nailed him to a cross they plotted the cross into the ground stood him up in, but suspended between heaven and earth for everyone to see and in the moment when you and me would have lashed out with everything that we had his response was very intense and the epitome of love itself. He looks at the people who are doing to Him everything I just described and He says, Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. They don't comprehend. Now to me That's easily one of the greatest displays of love if not the greatest display of love in all humanity's time. The worst moment in humanity and Jesus knee jerk is I want them forgiven. In other words, in your life in your worst moment the worst thing you've ever done matter of fact, everybody just say it. No, don't do that. Praise the Lord. The worst thing you've ever done, his knee jerk is not, let me get rid of you. The worst thing you've ever done, the worst moment, his knee jerk is to plead with his father, to intercede, the Bible says, to plead with his father on your behalf that you would actually be forgiven. And, and on one level, this is the greatest display of love, but I personally see it as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, displays of power, as well. See, Jesus was the meekest man that ever lived. And meek is an interesting word. If you hear it, and probably because it rhymes with it, a lot of times when we hear meek, we think weak. We think, we think, we think passive, we think, you know, something that doesn't have quite as much control. But but meekness literally means strength. Under control. In other words, uh, think of like a like a like a horse going into battle. Uh, a great uh, a war horse would be considered meek if it could stand firm while swords and spears and arrows and fighting and bloodshed was all flying around him. That horse would be considered a meek horse. It would be a strong horse, but it would remain under control when everything around it was in disarray. Jesus. In the moment when humanity had its greatest failure. The Bible says that literally mankind killed the author of life. And the author of life in that moment says, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. But 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 that's not just love, it's power. See, I'm one of three brothers, as I mentioned earlier. And my younger brother is five years younger than me. His name's Robert, and I love him very much. But I don't have a memory of ever really hurting him. Matter of fact, I can only think one time of ever doing anything to him that was really remotely physical. I tripped him one time. But, <laughs> but I remember when, when, when he was four and I was about nine, we were sitting uh, watching TV. I was watching TV, and he had one of those play school Little little uh, little things you would push. It looked like a looked like a, a a roller on the bottom, and you would just push it, and it would be like dun 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 dun. And I'm watching TV. I'm sitting in what's called a what we call a video chair. It was like a little J shaped chair that sat on the ground. And here I am sitting, and I turn around and say, "Hey man, would you stop that? I'm trying to watch TV." And 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 he stopped, and I was like, "Well, that worked. Praise the Lord." And I didn't realize it he was getting that thing just right like a battle axe and he swung that thing bang and he hit me right upside the head and I was like whoa and I saw stars and all I could think was and I was so angry (laughs) and I turned around and I just wanted to pull him apart you know I was like "Ah," but I didn't and then another time we're sitting and and we're, we're, we're sitting on the same video chairs. I'm about 13 at this point. He's about eight. And he was very good at video games. So he just really liked them. I was just okay. But, but I liked the regular Nintendo, okay? I'm not with all y'all 500-button stuff nowadays. I'm talking about give me up, down, left, right, select, start, and A and B. You know what I'm saying? And I just want to play Tecmo Bowl, and I want Bo Jackson. And when I get Bo Jackson and I start playing, something's going to happen. So we're playing Tecmo Bowl. And I got Bo Jackson and I'm winning and, 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 and he gets so angry with me and I said, see, that's what's up. You know, I told him I got you, you know, and we're sitting in these chairs and, and he's sitting here or I'm sitting here and he's sitting here and he looks at me like that and I said, I said, yeah, now you know, or I smarted off to him or something and he balled up his little eight-year-old fist and he brought a right hook from Kansas and just bang, he hit me right in the nose. And I didn't cry, but I, I had a lot of tears just flowing, just. <laughs> and, and and wasn't just tears. Now now blood's flowing. I mean, it was a, it was significant. The boy's tough, and and I look at him, and I just I just wanted just wanted to grab him and just just hurt him, and I said, Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that. I didn't do anything. And the last time I remember him doing something to me, like that, I was I was seventeen or eighteen years old. And we were snow skiing in the mountains. And we're, we're, we're doing what brothers do. We're racing, you know, just enjoying it. And we got down to the bottom, and obviously I had won again. And, and apparently, he, I had cut him off somewhere in the mountains somewhere. I plead the fifth, but apparently I may have done that, you know. And, and the other thing is I used to play baseball uh, competitively till I was 18, 19, 20 years old. And I played catcher, so I was always squatted down. I was always on my knees. So I, my knees, they were just from the time I'm ten or twelve years old, they were sore till I was about twenty. And I was always nursing them back. And you know, it was just the, it was just the nature of it. Uh, but but he skis up, and I said, "Whoa, about time you got here," you know. And he goes, "You cut me off up there." I said, "Well, you're going to have to get a little quicker." And I looked away and pretend this is me. He takes that same battle axe stance with one of his ski poles and he smacks me right in the knee. Wham! And I mean I hit the ground like a Benny Hinn meeting, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and everything that I want to do to him is going through my mind. And I'm thinking in about 20 minutes when my knee quits hurting, I am really going to get him. And I look over at him, and he's like this. Because I don't know if anybody's ever been snow skiing. But I'm laying on the ground right here, and he's going like this. He's like... (laughs) He's getting really far away from me. And I'm just... I'm so angry. But I didn't do anything to him. I don't know if I got much right, I guess. But one of the things that I understood, even from a young age, was because just because you can doesn't mean you should. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, what I believe was on the other side of what we can't see, I believe standing over the head of all humanity, right across the veil into the supernatural, I believe every angel of God had his sword drawn ready to smite and destroy all of humanity i could even hear michael just follow me with this but if I was Michael this is what I would be saying Lord just let me stop them You know he's your son Let me stop them Don't let him do it They already beat him I can kill him. Just let me stop him And Jesus with his arms spread wide Bleeding from nearly every part of his body Screams into the heavens No, no, no Father forgive them They don't know what they are doing this is why I'm here. I didn't come to bring condemnation and judgment. I came to set them free. Religion has told them how they are supposed to act. But I'm here to create a new person in each one of them. I'm here to transform them. I'm here to shift them. You you, you see... It's the greatest act of love to say, forgive them. But I see it as the greatest act of power too. Because he who had all authority and all power, who could have called, he said, 12 legions of angels and wiped the whole thing out. He, instead of releasing vengeance, he said, no, 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 no. No man takes my life. But I really lay it down he lays his life down he looks back into the sky and he says into your hands I commend my spirit and he spends three days deceased until that Sunday morning that first Easter Sunday morning they come to find him at the tomb and he's not there They come to find him at the tomb where Roman soldiers were tasked with guarding it to make sure nobody stole the body. And what happened was, is they sealed it to make sure that nobody could could claim that he had risen from the dead. And what they found was the seal had not been pulled apart, the seal had not been cut, but it had been destroyed by resurrection power. The stone rolled away, angels all around. And the ladies that came to find him, the angels said, whoa, he's not here. He's alive, just like he said. They go back to tell their friends. And Jesus, they see Jesus on the wayside. And Jesus said, hey, I did what I said. I'm not dead. You don't have to die either. I'm going to make everyone who calls on my name a new creature. From the meth addict to the choir boy. I was called that a lot growing up. Hey, choir boy. Hey, choir boy. Now it's almost like a badge of honor. Give me a tattoo. Say, choir boy, praise the Lord. (laughs) Choir boy. Father, forgive them. Angels standing at the ready. Just give the word, Jesus. We'll stop it all. No. I want them forgiven. Acts 3.15 says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses. This is the apostles writing. We are witnesses. They were witnesses to his resurrection. And now the same men, the same group of people that were hiding in fear became the catalyst for the gospel reaching the ends of the earth they were hiding in fear before Jesus rose from the dead but as soon as you know he rose from the dead because the other issue with all the other religions when Jesus says I'm the way, the truth and the life no man gets the father but by me the reason he can say that boldly is because all the other religious leaders are still dead you can find their bones you can go to their graves today but Jesus is not dead He is alive just like He said. And there's so much power in the resurrection of Jesus that those who followed Him, that when He was killed, they they, they hid in terror. But when they found out He was alive, now death can't even hold us. Ten of the eleven, there was eleven left because one committed suicide after He betrayed Jesus. Ten of the eleven died martyrs' deaths. Some of them pulled into pieces. Many of them uh, uh, beaten constantly. One crucified, and and, and he was about to be crucified. He said, don't crucify me like Jesus. I'm not worthy of that. You're going to have to do it upside down. Old Doubting Thomas, he had a stake driven right through him. Now, he didn't even have enough faith to show up after seeing Jesus' miracles. He didn't have enough faith to show up after Jesus did everything he said he was going to do. But as soon as he was a witness... Now even with the threat of death he said, "Well, go ahead and drive it home." Because when you get transformed, your have-tos become your want-tos. Your have-tos become your desire, and you realize he is not just worth a part or a day of your week of the week. He really is worth giving your life for. And what he will do for you is the same thing he did for Tommy. Same thing he did for Jake. The same thing he's done for me. Please bow your head and close your eyes. Many of you are here today and you feel what I felt several years ago. That pressure on the inside of your heart. Don't ignore that. I've found that the longer you ignore it, the more faint it becomes. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity is not the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity is great. I love it. Our church is great. I love our church. I want you to join it. But Jesus is the author of life. And the first thing that has to happen is you have to give your life to Him. It's an exchange. God, when when you could have called for my extermination, you rather called for grace. You called for my forgiveness. And therefore, I want to give my life to you. And the justification found in that is you become a new creature. Completely transformed. Maybe your testimony is like Tommy's. Maybe it's like Jake's. Maybe it's like mine. Maybe it's somewhere in between. You don't have to be like anybody else. But if you're here today and you're not ready to meet the Lord, in other words, the idea of meeting God does not make you think, I can't wait because I'm going to give him a big hug, then you're not ready to meet him. And if that's you today, before you leave here, I want to give you that opportunity. So if you're here today and you're not right with God, Coming into relationship with Him is as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And I'm going to help you do that. If you're not right with God, nobody's going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to call you to the front today. But in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, oh God, remember me. And He really, really will. Maybe you'd say it differently. Maybe you'd say, I used to walk strong with Him. But, you know, I've turned from Him. I've backslidden. I've missed the mark. And I want to get back in relationship he'll wrap you in his loving arms and act like it never happened. If that's you, and you say, I've never accepted Jesus, or you say, you know what, I need to give my life back to him. When I count to three, please lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, for real, Lord, if you'll transform anyone, please transform me. Make me that new creature. One, two, don't miss this chance. One, two, three lift your hand keep them up tall and bold tall and bold tall and bold tall and bold I see that hand 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 thank you very much is there anyone else tall and bold he stands at the door and knocks And anyone who will open the door, he'll come in, he will make you a new creature. Your old life passes away and you become a new creature in him, justified by him. It's not about what you've done, it's about who you are in him. Let's all stand to our feet. if you lifted your hand or you wanted to I want you to pray this prayer after me from the bottom of your heart just like you're talking to your best friend matter of fact let's all pray lift your hands say oh God I come to you now and I ask you to save me write my name in your book I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead to make me new I'm now a new creature my old life is gone And my new life is here. I give it all to you. All of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. Now listen, Christians do three things. Number one, Christians pray. If you don't know how to pray, talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. Number two, Christians read their Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let us give you one. Stop by the tent after service or really just... Get it on your phone. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Number three, Christians go to church. If you live within 100 miles of right here, welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home in Jesus' name. I'm going to add a fourth. When Jesus was walking, one time he came up to a river, and his cousin was there named John. And John looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's one of the first times that Jesus was publicly identified. And Jesus is a constant example of what we should do. And as an example, the next thing he did once, he got, once his identity was revealed is he got water baptized. And water baptism is a public display Of what God has done on the inside of us. The Bible says we are buried with Him in His death. And then we are raised to walk in newness of life. Water water baptism oftentimes just helps to wash away some of that other thing. It's it's the next It's what Jesus did and it's the next step. Next week right here, if you've never been water baptized. We're going to have baptisms going on uh, uh, during our services. If that's you, before you leave, take your phone out and text the word ALL IN. In other words, when you get water baptized, it's a public thing. That's saying for real, I'm going all in. Maybe you were baptized as a child and you said, man, somebody may have made that decision for me, but I want to make it for myself. Text ALL IN to 313131. We'll get you all the information because now you're, you have a new identity. And when you have a new identity, now it's time to take that next step and be water baptized. Give God a big hand of praise in the house. Let's sing this out one time. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info. And be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.